Thank you, Paul. Thank you for leading us and for reminding us that we can cast our burdens onto God. And I was just reminded as we sang together that we are not alone in this fight. And we often say that, we know that, that God does not leave us or forsake us. But but when I say that we are not alone, that not only does that mean that God is with us, but it also reminds us that we are not alone individually, that we are called into a church body corporately together. So whether we're a church family of 20, 200, or 2,000, God has called us to be that church body and to encourage one another, remind one another of the truth. So thank you so much, Brother Paul. All right, well, we're going to continue tonight in our Foundations Bible study. Now, I know that this is not new for these two lovely people here in the front, uh, Nancy and Ryan, because, well, and Paul, because we've been going through this on Tuesday nights, and it is um, a great way for a simple Bible study, but Nancy and Ryan might be thinking simple, because you can make it as simple or as elaborate as, you, as you'd like um, as far as thinking about what these verses mean in their original context and how they apply to our lives. And, and as I said last week, you know, this is, I mean, it's a guide, it's a study, but it's more or less a journal for you to journal through these thoughts of highlight, explain, apply, respond. And so, um, I know Nancy, I don't mean to embarrass her, but I know she's got her journal next to her journal. And so the overflow of the thoughts continues <laughs> into page two, three, and four. And so, again, it can be as simple or as complex as you'd like it to be. But, um, we are gonna look tonight at Isaiah six. We're gonna go through several chapters in Isaiah and kind of hit the highlights over the next several weeks. And as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, you know, if I had to take one or two books of the Bible, again, it's crazy talk, but because, um, again, we have the whole counsel of God's Word, all 66 books together. But if for some reason I had to pick one or two, Isaiah would be one of them. It'd probably be one book of the Old Testament, probably be uh, Romans in the New Testament. Um, I hate to uh, I'm tempted to say another book because everybody says Romans, but it's just that good. And so, I mean, it's, it's as good as can be. But the reason why I say Isaiah is because, again, time and time again, it points to Jesus. Time and time again, it points to God's promises to not leave his people. Time and time again, when we see God's people going astray, he says to them, even though you are faithless, even though you have gone astray, I will save and preserve a remnant. And so God is continually watching over his people. And there are so many verses in the book of Isaiah that are quoted in the New Testament. Even last week in Matthew 3, John the Baptist quotes, I think, from Isaiah 40. Time and again, we see these verses in the New Testament, but if we look at the cross-references, they oh, that's actually Isaiah. You know, that's Isaiah 49 or Isaiah 53, Isaiah 55. And sometimes um, we get overwhelmed with Isaiah because it's 66 chapters. But in this book, we see so many beautiful truths unfolding. So I want to just give us a uh, an overview real quickly um, as we look at some verses, and then we're going to actually look at Isaiah 6 in particular. So look at the problem right off the bat. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, we see that the people are trusting the wrong things. We see the people of Judah are in crisis and they are trusting the wrong things because in verse 2 of chapter 1, it says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, 
O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. So we see they're trusting the wrong things. Um, in Isaiah 31, we're going to get to Isaiah 6, but passing it for a moment. Isaiah 31, we see that they are trusting other kings. Isaiah 31, it says, The Egyptians are man and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, the, hum- the helper will stumble, and he who is helped will fall, and they will all perish together. So again, trusting in the wrong things. Time and again, we see that they're trusting in other gods. In Isaiah 2, verses 6 through 8. Skipping around a bit here, but in Isaiah 2, we see they're trusting in other gods. Isaiah 2, 6 says, You have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because they are full of things from the east, and of fortune tellers, like the Philistines, and they strike hands with the children of foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their their own fingers have made. We could look at Isaiah 41 or Isaiah 44 that talks about the silliness of idols, the silliness of making something in which you worship that thing. But even, I think one of the key parts of Isaiah is Isaiah 22. Look with me in Isaiah 22, verses 8 through 11. We see how they are trusting in themselves. Isaiah 22, verse 8, it says, He has taken away the covering of Judah. In that day you looked to the weapons of the house of the forest, and you saw that the breaches of the city of David were many. You collected the waters of the lower pool, and you counted the houses of Jerusalem, and you broke down the houses to fortify the wall. You made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool, but you did not look to him who did it, or see him who, see him who planned it long ago. It says, in that day, the Lord, the God of hosts, called for weeping and mourning, for baldness and wearing sackcloth. So again, the people were planning and trying to do things in their own accord, not looking to the one who did the things for them. So we see the solution to Israel's, um, to Israel's problem in Isaiah 40, that they are called to trust God. We're going to look at Isaiah 40 in a few weeks, but Isaiah 40, Verse 18 and following says this, To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and he casts it, casts for it silver chains? He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Did you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits upon the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. 
Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings you out of their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? And here's the key verse. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall be fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So this is the key, one of the key chapters, again, the solution for the people of Judah, the trust in God. So that's just giving us a little bit of background as we now dive into Isaiah chapter 6. Go ahead, Stephen. So now, moving ahead to Isaiah chapter 6, I wish Mike Johnson were here tonight. This is one of his favorite chapters. So now in Isaiah, wickedness and those who are rebelling against God, those who are trusting in the wrong things, now we see God raise up Isaiah. Isaiah 6 says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy. And blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land, and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak. 
whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is in its stump. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Father, as we study tonight your word, as we look at Isaiah 6, remind us that you are the holy, holy God. That you are the one who is living. You are the first and the last. You are the Alpha and the Omega. So Lord, teach us as we study together, help us to have a hunger and a thirst and a desire to study and meditate upon your word. Father, we confess our own sin. We confess our apathy. We confess where we go after and long after other things that are worthless. These things are idols. So Lord, teach us and lead us to repent so that we might believe in you and and follow you wholeheartedly. Father, we pray that you will incline our hearts towards your word. Lord, again, help us to have a desire to study your word, a desire to apply your word, and a desire to obey you in all things. Father, we know it's only by your grace that we obey you. So we ask, Lord, because of your gracious nature, we pray that you will show us grace to follow you wholeheartedly. Lord, I pray that you will bind us together in one accord as one family who loves one another because we first love you and because you first loved us. Lord, we thank you for this time together. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Let me move down here because this is the, this is the, uh, part where it's interactive. And so, um, it's a good sign that people from last week came back tonight or either they thought, oh shoot, I should have skipped tonight. Because uh, this is the part where it's interactive where we study together Isaiah chapter 6. So first, let's see if anybody was listening last week. Here is the acronym. What does the H stand for? Anybody remember what the H stands for? Highlight, good. Paul didn't sound very confident when he said that, but um, he knew there wasn't a whole lot on the line. And so that's a, it's great. You are right. Highlight, yes. Um, e, does anybody remember what E stands for? Explain, good job. Stephen, very good. Um, a, remember A? AP, AP, apply, good job. And uh, R, highlight, explain, apply, R E S P respond. Good job. Wow. That's good. I thought she was going to say respect. R E S P C T. No. Not respect. Um, respond. Very good. Highlight, explain, apply, respond. So go ahead. Um, did you have that up there, Stephen? Okay, good. I thought, thought they were cheating. All right. So the, the whole point of this way of studying the Bible, and, and as you know, there's many ways to study the Bible. I know Vivian has done the precept method. So there's precepts. There's uh, different ways to study the Bible. The main of uh, seeing star, study, teach, apply, repeat. Um, so there's lots of ways. The main thing is, um, as an elderly pastor in Arkansas said who he um he was telling a bunch of preachers as he was sitting in his um wheelchair he said the best way to study the bible is facebook and we were all kind of sitting there as this elderly man in his 70s his facebook he says put your face in the book <laughs> and that's the best way to study the bible so all right let's move ahead to the next slide stephen all right highlight 
Actually, go ahead to uh, the next one. And one more. Um, well, we'll start there. Okay. Uh, summary of Isaiah 6. The heart of the book of Isaiah is to demonstrate God's holiness and grace and issue a call for his people to return to him in obedience and faith. As I put this together, I was thinking, well, that can kind of summarize much of the Old Testament, but that is what Isaiah is about. Isaiah 6 outlines Isaiah's encounter with God when he was called to be a prophet. Isaiah's response to God's commission. Here I am. Send me is one of the greatest pictures of obedience in Scripture. Okay, go ahead, Stephen. So here we go. This is highlight, and the, what we're doing is at the top, for those of you who weren't here last week, and at the bottom is our answers, and your answers don't have to match my answers. So first, simply highlight the name of the book. So somebody who hasn't spoken before, what is the name of the book we are studying? Isaiah, very good, all right. So we are studying Isaiah tonight. So which chapter and verse numbers stand out to you? So this is time where there's some silence. Um, silence is, is okay. So look through Isaiah 6 right now, and what are some verses that stood out to you? That again, whenever I'm reading a book, I don't read a lot of Kindle books or e-reader books because I don't like to write on the screen. And so I like to write in the book and underline things. But if you're looking at this chapter, what are some verses that stand out to you? So in verse 5, I know uh, Morris loves to do this in his uh, Sunday school class just to look at different translations. Your verse 5 says, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Okay, that's good. Mine says, I am lost. Anybody else have something else there in verse 5? I am undone. Wow, that's good. I think about the psalmist who says, um, I was on the uh, the road of destruction and the pit of despair. Any other verses that stand out? Verse, yeah. Uzziah. Yeah, that's right. That's a great point, great picture. This is not just Isaiah talking about a historical point. Yes, Uzziah has died, but again, especially during that day and time, and I've talked about this before with Charlie, um, is that we don't understand the concept of having a king um, because we don't have a king in the way that they had kings in the Old Testament. So again, kings were so important. We read First Kings, Second Kings. A king rose to power, a king fell, and the people of Israel, what did they want at times? A king. They didn't know what they wanted or what they needed. Um, but again, it's a great point, uh, Vivian. You're about to see the king of kings. And I love there, at the end of verse 1, he says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. The heaven throne. That's right. There's a whole sermon in verse 1 right there. There really is. Another verse. Another verse or two. Three. We're not getting very far in this chapter. Yes, that's for sure. Yeah. Again, um, this God is displaying His presence with His people. And this is a This is a silly illustration, but... Um, sometimes I relate a lot of times through movies as to messages that are in there. But as I'm reading this verse, verse 3, we see how God reveals himself by revealing his glory, and we are in awe. But I think about one of my favorite movies. Um, I know this is not, not the best movie. It's a silly movie. Is The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I think it's partly because I'm from the Midwest and I love tornadoes. I know that's crazy. Um, 
But, you know, in that, as they're going to find the wizard, whenever they finally get there and and they reveal, I don't know, the curtains pull back or something, and they reveal the wizard back there, what happens? They're sad. They're, they're like, they're no longer impressed. They're disappointed. That's the word I was looking for. They're disappointed because this man is just a man. I mean, he's trying to boom his voice through this uh, speaker, but they're so disappointed because he's not a great, powerful wizard. He's not the great Oz. He's just a man. And so again, it's so, you know, the glory of this wizard was so small in comparison to the glory of God here in verse 3. We see God's glory in the wilderness, in the cloud in the wilderness, as it fills the tabernacle in Exodus 40, and we studied it several weeks ago, in the temple. Um, many places the glory is revealed, and we see most clearly the glory revealed through Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 14. Okay, one or two more verses. Anybody else? We've looked at one, I think two and three. The 13th verse, I would not have thought someone would pick verse 13. I'm so thankful you did, though. Hope. Right? It makes me think of the, the root of Jesse. That this holy seed remains. There's, again, when we, some might be tempted to look at the, the, the darkness there, um, and the rebellion of the people. So thankful you saw the, the hope there in verse 13. Okay. Verse 8. Yeah, that's one of the ones that I pointed out there. That's right. That's so wonderful. Again, that picture of atonement, that key word of atoned, uh, we think of Leviticus, we think of Hebrews, you know, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. That's a beautiful picture of atonement. Okay, well, we did a lot under H highlight. Really, again, if you're studying your Bible, you don't, we kind of did a lot of commentary there. Really, you just have to put the verses there and you can elaborate them on later, but that's okay. You know, again, you can make this as simple or as complex as you like. Next, E is explain. So again, for those who weren't last week, these questions up here at the top. To whom was the book written? Again, trying to formulate the study in the midst of its context. Why was it written? And what is the Holy Spirit intending to communicate through this text? So like Vivian said earlier, we were getting, kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but that's okay. Isaiah is the author of this prophetic book, and he begins his ministry in the year that King Uzziah died. So again, a key turning point in history, but also a key point in Isaiah's life. Go ahead, Stephen, to the next one. So through the prophet Isaiah, God will show his judgment against sin and his faithfulness to his people. So, uh, oh, okay, so we'll go ahead and go through E and on to A, apply. So what does this mean today? How can you apply this message to your life? We won't skip ahead to my answers. Let's see, um, what what do you have? So as you think about A and applying, how can we apply this chapter, these verses to our own life? The willingness to do what God's will is and not our own. Underneath that, I'm just going to encapsulate that um, under obedience. Go ahead. That's right. That's right. I've talked with other brothers and sisters about this before. You know, while some um, do not have an evangelistic zeal to go, and they need to not just study their Bibles, but they need to share their Bibles and the Scriptures, we also, again, on the other side, we can't go without knowing. Again, um, we must know and study who God is and what He's done 
not just head knowledge, but heart transformation, as again, as Vivian points out, as he changes us, as he opens our eyes to our sin. Because again, who are some of the most zealous people of sharing Christ? Brand new believers. Because they've tasted and they've seen that the Lord is good. That God has saved them. So that's good. Anything else? Yeah. That's so good. You can tell... Um, your uh, faith son. He's like, well, you connect here verses 5 through 6 and 8. Ryan's like, well, you can connect the whole chapter. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, you see the point here, again, is the gospel is what grips him to go and, cha- and to lead and to share because, again, he's not gripped by the stubbornness and the rebellion of the people. Again, he, he, God gives him this vision that the people are not going to listen to you. But, again, why he goes is not because of the people. I mean, he goes to the people, but because of who God is, that beautiful revelation of who God is. Okay, go ahead, Stephen, to the next slide. So this is, um, this is again, many things we've already said. So we see God's holiness today as a beautiful description of God, a beautiful, beautiful characteristic that reveals the purity and the beauty of God. God has infinite value and is morally perfect. The holiness of God shows the vast difference between sinful men and women and a holy God. God's holiness teaches us to worship Him and to confess our sin. So again, many themes we already pointed out. Um, J.C. Ryle, I love this quote, He and sin, man or woman and sin, must quarrel if he and God are to be friends. So while we are yet sinners, God can atone, remove our guilt, we talked about this already, for our sin. So in response, this is what Ryan was just saying, in response to God's grace and mercy, we must be willing to give our entire lives to follow Him wherever He calls us to go. So again, when we see God's grace, when we see God's mercy, we don't say, oh, okay, now you know, sign me up. What do I have to do? And it's like, oh, this, my great God, oh, great God who has freed me, saved me, let me serve Him. Let me worship Him. That's good. Okay, next slide. I think this is R now. Oh, wait, Romans, yeah. Um, I love this verse. It kind of reminded me of Isaiah. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So just like in Matthew 4 this morning and elsewhere, we're called, Isaiah 6, it's calling us to worship God. See, this is the holy and true God. All right, R. R is respond. I don't know why they got so slow. Small. That's okay. So, what does this passage call you to action? And we've talked about this a little bit already. How will you be different because of what you've learned? And write out a prayer to God in response to what you read today. So, first, how does this passage call you to action? So, yeah, um, I've said this before, but one uh, pastor, he began a sermon this way. You know, yes, yes, yes. God, this is our answer to you. Now teach us what you want us to do. So again, seeing who God is. It's an immediate, immediate call to um, obedience. That's right. Yeah, when we see the holiness of God, it changes us to see God is beautiful and perfect and righteous. I was talking with a lady at one point who was disgusted and frustrated with God um, because of this and because of that. And as the more I talked to her, I realized you, your disgust, uh, your distaste and frustration and bitterness, I think isn't or shouldn't be directed towards God. Really, it's directed towards sin. 
because she's talking about this sin and that sin and this sin. And it's like, I would agree with you, those things are awful, but that's the works of man. And so we can't take all the works of man and all the things that they've done to rebel and hurt you, because again, sin is not just a, a theological construct and concept, but people sin against us, and we, as Vivian pointed out, we sin against them. And so we can't take all that messiness and baggage and throw it onto God because God is holy and He is just and He is righteous. And again, He's gracious and merciful. All the characteristics of God that He is just and He justifies the one who has faith in Christ. Anything else? How does this passage call us to action? That's right. That's right. I think you saw my answers on the next slide. Without seeing God's holiness, we can't see our sin. That's so good. That's right. And when you think about it, if if everybody was responding and following, we would be tempted to trust in our methods and our message. I mean, I hate to use this illustration again, but sometimes car salesmen or any kind of salesman, um, I think I remember one time when we were in Orlando and <clears throat> listening to a timeshare, uh, presentation. Anybody who's listening to a timeshare presentation, I think, should just—I don't know—get some reward. And uh, well, you normally do. But again, you know, those those people are so persuasive, and you know, they're not used to being told no to. And again, they trust in their their methods and their message. But again, as people reject, not all will reject, but as people do reject, it reminds us all the more to lean upon God and to follow Him. And to remind ourselves that again, this is God's message and we are just the vessels and instruments. Anything else about this? That's right. Yeah, and these studies, you know, the more you get into them, the more you see God, uh, showing other places in scripture, other cross references. So I'm so thankful you pointed out John 6. I'm just going to read to you verses 66 through 69. Wonderful passage. After this, Many of his disciples, Jesus' disciples, turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Again, some will believe and some will not. All right, any, anybody else? Yeah, they were there. They were at the Master's feet. That's right. That is a great point, and I've talked about, talked about this with another member, is that our beliefs, you know, even Ephesians 2 says, um, we've been saved through faith, and this is not of ourselves, but we are created in advance to do good works. Our beliefs are, as someone put it, um, faith works. You know, our faith responds, our faith follows, and so again, we act, we persevere, as Hebrews says, we respond in righteousness and good deeds. Okay, again, I want to remind you, <clears throat> my my words up here are not the answers, and so again, um, all of this is good, and so I said the answers earlier, these are just my thoughts, so go ahead, Stephen, to the next one. So through this passage, <clears throat> we are called to humble ourselves, we are called to obedience, and we're called to speak God's message. Again, as Ryan pointed out, we're called to proclaim the truth, as Dennis pointed out before. I'm reminded that my response is to seek God by humbling, 
humbling myself in His presence. I cannot control how others respond to God, but I can point them to God. I can show them the truth. So this is the prayer. Go ahead, Stephen. Herschel. <clears throat> so this is the prayer that I wrote out. Again, it can be short or long. Again, uh, this is just one prayer. Lord God, you've revealed your glory to us through your word. While I'm a sinner who has unclean lips and an unclean heart, I'm thankful that you have changed my heart. Teach me to walk by faith, trusting you and obeying your voice. Father, teach me to trust in your sovereignty as some do not understand you and others do not believe you. You harden hearts and you change hearts all according to your plan. Lord, thank you for your mercy to me. I too was once blinded by my sin and did not know your love. Thank you, great God, for giving me life as your Spirit opened my eyes so that I might believe the gospel of your Son that brings hope and peace. Reminded me of, oh great God, as Paul was leading that earlier. Any closing thoughts? Yeah. And I know that you and I, each of us, have been surprised at how God has used us, number one, surprised how God has put his words in our mouths, number two, like, you know, there's been times where I'm like, oh, wow, I totally messed that up. But then there's other times like, wow, that was totally from God, because I don't know where those words came from. And again, just reminded that God is the one who's using us and demonstrating his glory through us. It's a great reminder. Yeah, I, I, one, one verse we hadn't talked about in all this chapter, we almost highlighted every verse, is verse 11. Isaiah says, How long, O Lord? And so we are tempted, the psalmist says this as well, How long, O Lord? So we are tempted to wonder how long God is going to allow people to persist in the rebellion, persist in their stubbornness. But again, we must continually trust in God, continually persevere until the end, trust in His sovereignty, trust in His plan, as we see in the Gospels, the, the man says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And so uh, I think Ryan and I have had discussions where he's asked me, you know, have you um, ever doubted uh, this or that? Well, yes, you know, I've got a pulse. So yeah, you know, we, we've all doubted. We've all had those moments of despair, those moments of discouragement. And so, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah, God has the whole thing outlined, all of history. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. You know, we 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 cannot fathom God's beautiful, mysterious plan, and we could not have written the Bible. We we could not have. You know, it's so amazing all the prophecies, how they've all unfolded, how they've all been fulfilled. If we were writing, you know, Shelby likes to write. Sierra has written. You know, each of my kids are unique in the way that they. Um, write and compose different things, and we would not have been able to write this 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 story. You know, the things that are in the Bible, different things. We would, if that was comp- written into our uh, narrative, we would have been like, "How am I going to m- make this work? How am I going to deal with this?" But again, God's God's story is so beautiful, so beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming. <laughs> And this is just one chapter. Just one chapter. It's, it's uh, amen, amen. So perfect. Very good. Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you that you have revealed your glory. 
Lord, you are pure and holy and righteous and just. Your holiness blows us away when we think of our own sin, our own failures. Lord, without the holiness of God, we would not see our sin. So, Lord, thank you. Lord, I pray that you will teach us to follow you and to walk in obedience. Lord, we do praise you and thank you for Vivian's mother, that she was able to go to church and to worship with other believers today. I pray that she will be an encouragement not only to her family, but to her spiritual family there. We thank you for Zach and for the ministry at Spring to Life. Lord, I pray that Zach will continually humble himself. Father, it's easy to see one victory and then claim it as our own. So, Lord, I'm not sure of where Zach's heart is, but, Lord, I pray that you will humble him as he seeks you. Lord, I pray that you will teach him and teach all of us to walk by faith, a faith that perseveres to the end. I thank you for this time together as we study your word, as we continue to study Isaiah. Lord, I pray that we will say, Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. But, Father, we're so thankful that you have atoned for our sins. Our guilt no longer remains, but Lord, we're so thankful that we are victorious through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you will teach all of us to love you and to speak of your love to others. Lord, knowing as Ryan said, we do not speak for others or because of others' rebellion and stubbornness, but we go for God. So Lord, we're so thankful that we are gathered here tonight. And Lord, we honor you and praise you in all things. Lead us by your Spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.